Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. It loves a circle with no end. No, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, Bruce Aitchison, your host from Happiness Is Egg Shaped. And today we have another magnificent guest and I am silly happy and silly smiling because this is one of the coolest guests we could possibly secure. Uh, Absolutely delighted. As soon as I asked him, he jumped in and said, yeah, yeah, sweet as, we're in. And not only is this a cool guest, this is somebody who is on the other side of the planet, currently enjoying some sunshine and no lockdown restrictions at the moment. So a bit of jealousy in my voice as well. This is a guy who has come right into the forefront of everybody's consciousness in world rugby. I reckon he is probably one of the most recognisable faces and names in the game at the moment because of all the good stuff he is doing. He is a man who has rugby and its people in his heart and he is doing his damnedest to make sure that everybody gets a fair crack and I am very very excited to speak to somebody who has a whole bundle of caps for Samoa, he's played for what must be one of the most exciting invitational combination teams on the planet, the Pacific Islanders, he has been to World Cups, he's played in the Premiership, he's played in France he's in Aussie, please welcome our very special guest Mr Dan Leo Hey guys, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you say, as you say, Bruce, I uh, can't complain being on the side of the world at the moment. No masks, no social distancing. Uh, 
the only thing is we can't uh, hang out and see all you guys in, on that side of the planet. So let's hope things uh, improve pretty drastically and pretty quickly. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I certainly hope so. Well, life looks good. So you're in Brisbane, which is that now home? Uh, for the foreseeable future, we, we did the first lockdown. My family and I have got uh, two boys, two young boys, uh, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, we did the first lockdown, which was uh, three months of homeschooling for me um, uh, mid last year. And uh, that, that basically pushed me to, to breaking point to the point where I thought, no flipping heck, where else do I qualify to live? That's uh, a bit more normal. So we came back, um, been back here for six months. I've been working full time in the um, uh, disability sector. Uh, a friend of mine was. Uh, good enough to give me a job working with people with special needs, which has been uh, yeah, um, definitely thrown up its uh, challenges. But um, yeah, and, and the plan is that we stay here for the next uh, six months at least. And uh, hopefully, as I said, when, when things return back to normal and, uh, you know, um, you know, kids can, can run around freely again, we, we can we can head back up. I bet you are awesome at that job. That just, <laughs> what, what, I, I mean, people people all over the world must look at you and think, yeah, right, he's pretty cool, but I bet you are awesome at that job. You must get a huge amount of satisfaction from that. Um, yeah, you, you know, well, it's, it's a lot easier than homeschooling, that's for sure. So I'm thinking, <laughs> thankful for that. Um, but um, no, you, you're right, you know, um, in terms of, um, you know, coming from 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 rugby, and this is one of the things that I challenge the players that I, you know, the the, the ex players that I work with is, you know, using those transferable skills that we we sometimes don't appreciate that we've got, and um, definitely, you know, um, working in a team alongside people that, um, you know, um, maybe aren't as don't have the opportunities that we do as um, fully able people um, has, been, has been a massive um, massive honour to be able to do, and actually just. You know the, the mindset of some of these people, um, you know, in, in the face of resilience, is, uh, has really um, challenged me to be, you know, the, the best version of myself as well. So yeah, and I'm really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, it's not something I say that I plan to fall into, but um, in these times, um, you know, you don't get to necessarily choose what, um, you know, you've just got to take the opportunities that are, that are in front of you. And that was um, an opportunity, as I said, a friend of mine that I um, that I'd, I'd lived with when I was back in the Queens and Reds Academy back in 2000 and two, I think it was, um, he'd, he'd moved on um, after professional rugby and started up uh, this company that I worked for called Keras Collective. Um, and he was yeah, good enough to give me, uh, take a risk on me with no experience at all in the sector um, and, and, and give me a job. So um, yeah, I'm learning a lot on the go, um, but yeah, still a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, and no, a bear makes you feel very grateful. It does, it does, you know, um, particularly um you know working we've just taken on a few new clients who um are spinal victims uh rugby uh, victims of rugby injuries themselves and um you know um just you know speaking to, to these guys who are young young guys who will never in some cases never walk again never breathe on their own never be able to you know um shower themselves um on their own um it makes you realize how lucky we you know, myself, yourself, Bruce, any of us that have played uh, the game of rugby actually are to come out the other end um, un unblemished. You know, it just um, it, it does make you make you think about all of those 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 times when you could have got injured, when you did get injured, and it could have been a lot worse. So, um, you know, working with these guys now is um, a pleasure now, and um, I'm, as I said, I'm really blessed to be able to do it. Uh, I just I just love it. Dan, I, I love your outlook. I love how you go about things. So let's rewind that then right back to those Queensland days. 
so you left New Zealand to head to Aussie for uni. Is that a big jump or is it just how things are? Did did you see that as a big event in life? Uh, oh, geez. Well, my, my parents moved across um, as well. So I was, I was just finished high school um, and mum and dad moved across. They were Mum and dad were missionaries and they, they decided to um, uh to retire as missionaries when I was in, the, in my high school and, and get jobs. And the only jobs that they could find were across in, in Australia. Um, so they gave me the opportunity. They gave me the choice, basically. Um, my, my, my oldest, my stepbrother stayed in New Zealand. They said, look, you can stay with him or you can come across with us. But before you make the choice, come across and have a look. And I got here and it was just, yeah, chalk and cheese, really. So, yeah, <laughs> the sun was out, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, girl, the girls loved us, us uh, Maori and Pacific Islanders. So, um, man, I was just like, that was that was a song for me before I even barely stepped off the plane. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, we're, um, we're yeah. pretty simple creatures, aren't we? We're pretty simple creatures. <laughs> yeah, we, we know. What we're like. So life for you has has moved a lot. You're a, you're a Pammy North boy. Um or born in Palmerston North, certainly, and then head to Auckland for school. So you've always jumped into different circles, never mind the, the different teams and countries you've been to for rugby. So your social skills are obviously finely tuned and you enjoy building relationships with other people. Yeah, I was, I was really lucky, you know, even before rugby came out, obviously I've, I've moved a lot. I've moved, I've lived in, you know, um, as I said, New Zealand, Australia, the islands. Uh, so I spent. Mum and Dad did a um, did a year a year's uh, missionary training in Tonga. So I le- uh, lived in Tonga, even though I'm Samoan. Um, learned a bit of the language and a bit of the culture there. Uh, and in my rugby career, it's taken me to you know to to England and France. Um, and uh, I played for London Welsh. I won't claim the Welsh card, but uh, um, but uh, you know just but you know learning you know learning of, of people as well and and and, and the missionary. Uh, lifestyle as well, you know. Also, you know, um, the missionary school that my, my parents used to run. You know, we had people from Denmark, from Norway, from the United States, um, a lot of places that were non-rugby playing nations that I got to, you know, make friends with well, as well and actually relate to. So all of this boded well for my, um, I suppose, for my rugby career. Yes, but for you know more so for the for the stuff that I'm doing now, the advocacy stuff, and um, you know, and working with players, and actually being able to relate to to anyone from any walk of life is a um, a skill that I've been lucky enough to to pick up along the way. Um, yeah, it wasn't planned, but uh, as you say, but um, you know, I was I was lucky enough to, through circumstance to have some pretty cool uh, experiences growing up, um, including play, you know, going to, to school at Auckland Grammar, um, as you mentioned, uh, and, and living in Auckland, which is you know. Um, you know, we, we like to say, you know, think of ourselves as one of the most multicultural countries and uh, cities in the world. Uh, in terms of Polynesians, yes, um, you know, and um, but um, yeah, um, and again, that that's put me in good stead for for working with Pacific Island players and players of descent um, in the in the role that I do now. I, I can imagine you, Dan, being reasonably comfortable in almost any social circle. You can speak to paupers and princes, no doubt, and and you've had to with this role that you've got. You're speaking to shirt and ties behind desks, but you're also going out and speaking to people who are almost your peers. You're a you're a role model to those younger than you. What what's the role that you relish the most? What's the role that you think you get the biggest kick out of? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it, um, that hasn't always been the case. Um, you know, I, I, like many Pacific Islanders, when I first arrived in in the UK, 
as a 23 year old, I was, I was very shy, very reserved, um, very, I wasn't outspoken at all, you know, it was just all about, you know, towing the line and, um, you know, respect for elders, because that's, that's the way I've been raised. Um, it wasn't actually until, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to blame uh, you Brits, uh, you know, for this, particularly the English, because I married, married an English girl, uh, Sarah, my wife, and um, I, I vividly remember sitting around a, a dinner table with a few of her uni friends, and in, in, in my in, in my background, the way that I've been raised is that when you when you're meeting new people, you you don't say a lot. You just you're seen, and you know if somebody asks you a question, you answer. But you're not you're not the one making conversation. And um, I remember getting home that evening, and Sarah looking at me and just going, "Why were you so weird? Why were you so, you know, um, you know, uh, despondent with with everyone at the table? You know, and, I, and for me." That was my way of showing respect. I was like, no, I just didn't want to over be over um, overwhelming for people. I just, you know, but but it, but for her, it had come across as rude. So so automatically for me, I, I learned at that stage. Okay, well, that's you know, I need to change, um, you know, and um, that hadn't been um, something that I was really used to. But um, but uh, you know, all those those sorts of circumstances are, are what you know what life throws at us. Um, and, and and I learned from that, and I thought, okay, well, that's that's you know, I'm in England now. I'm not back in South Auckland. I'm not in Brisbane in the in the Samoan community in Brisbane. I'm in, you know, and, and you're expected to make conversation, and, and that's a sign of respect when you're you know when you're when you're when you're open, and when you're when you're friendly. And that was very different to anything that I'd really experienced up until that to that point. So. Um, yeah, so I've got my wife to, to thank a, a lot for for the way that I've developed, and also just challenging me on um, not not ex- accepting the status quo, which is um, I'm sure we'll get into this course um, a little yeah. bit, uh, further yeah. down the track. Um, you know, um, for us, it's you know um, we don't rock the boat as Pacific Islands. It's just you know it's all very you know and we come across as very laid back people, but um, you know which is possibly why you know we, we're in the positions in terms of rugby that we are so yeah anyway so yeah. i've gone off, yeah. I've gone off no I've gone no off. no not at all not yeah. at all one yeah. of the one of the so that's a cultural bit and we will definitely get to that because i've i've played in different places and and almost always come across a pacific islander I've also almost always come across another bloody scotsman because we tend to get everywhere as well um <laughs> And I don't know what that says about our home countries, but we, we could maybe talk about that another time too. But these cultural things are are really important, but they can be small details. And I'll give you a funny one that a friend of mine, Ben Fisher, who's a Kiwi from Wellington, came across to Scotland, was here for years and years. He's now back working for New Zealand Rugby Union. And he married a girl from Edinburgh and his son, Matthew, had his first six years in Edinburgh. He's now back in New Zealand. And Ben and I were messaging recently and he was saying he's now a proper Kiwi. He just went to the supermarket without any shoes on. <laughs> which which I thought was hilarious because when I went across when I was 19 and I remember going to the supermarket with Reese, my mate, and there was all these people around in the supermarket without any shoes on. I was like, what the hell? Like that my mother would kill me if I did that here. That's but there's there's all these little bits. I remember having a Fijian player in a in a club I coached in in Edinburgh. There's a huge Fijian community here largely because of the army. And 
this saps i'll never forget he, he went to give this offload and it went to ground and we turned it over and the coach my assistant coach was a guy uh, matt who was also in the army and had worked with heaps of fijians and he said look you got to understand that's that's the way he is that that offload makes perfect sense to him so you got to take the times it doesn't come off with the times it does come off and i i've always loved possibly like you the different cultures and meeting people but maybe more on the front foot than than you're saying you initially were what is it that you think rugby that let's look at the positives what is it that you think rugby has done well for the pacific islanders Jeez, so so much so much you know um we you know we, we we're cultures that are basically you know pride ourselves on uh um, on, 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 on three things: family, family, church, and rugby. That's those are those, and, 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 and probably probably in that order. Um, it's um, it's it's it brings so much to the islands. Anyone that's been to the Pacific Islands, um, you know, just has to, to to look around, and it's it's you know, in the lack of um, televisions and playstations and. And social clubs and pubs—that's what you do. You know, the villages. Every village has got a rugby field, um, and you know it, it brings people together. And so that's um, it's something that you can't um, put a monetary value on. Um, and you know, it's, it's just a great sport, great for us. Um, you know, our, our physiques and um, and probably our, I'd say our ancestry probably um, fit into the sport quite well. You know, the combative nature that we've got. Um, but also that you know that um, that that camaraderie, you know, that's, and that's and that's world world renowned, you know. And I think that's the great thing about rugby is that you can go go to you know you can be you can be you can be off a tiny little island in the you know in the outer islands of, of, of Tonga, um, and you can land up you know end up in a in a pub in Edinburgh, and you can have a you can have a two two hour conversation with somebody over a few pints because. You've got this great, you know, commonality of, of rugby, and and what else can bring people together like that, you know, and 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 vice versa, you know, you Scots can come out to the Pacific, and we might not know anything about you, but if you know anything about rugby, that's you know, we'll you know, you might as well have played played for the Scottish national team or be the uh, be in the royal family because uh, <laughs> that's the that's the way you'll get treated. So um, and and, and you know, it, it's a, it's 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 on on another it's on another level. Um, you know, and, and, and what I guess it brings to the uh, our countries is a great sense of pride, um, because you know we are you know we are very good at rugby, um, and we have historically been uh, good at rugby, um, and and also a lot of um, you know all everything that comes with that, um, you know the, the you know the, the the opportunities to for for our players to go and make a living overseas and send um, send money and remittances home to support the villages and the families, um, yeah, I mean it, it just it's just um, it's beneficial on so many levels, Bruce. So th those three things, family, church, and rugby, they're, they're done with others, uh, with strong relationships. They bring people together for a purpose, whether that is to share a meal or to share a prayer or to share in a game of rugby. They bring people together. So the community is, is important to, to Pacific Islanders, as it should be to everyone, but certainly to the Pacific Islanders. So is that the biggest challenge you see for when Pacific Islanders leave that environment and go overseas to, uh, to a professional contract? Is that the biggest challenge? It's that feeling of community and security 
and then going into an unknown? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's our big, biggest biggest blessing and our biggest curse because, you know, um, the way that the rugby world is, uh, you know, the, the, the economies of, of, of the rugby world um, operate now is all the money's in Europe um, and, and Japan, you know, for our, for our players because it's very difficult to pick up contracts in Australia and New Zealand unless you've uh, resided there. So, um, so the players have to, you know, basically move halfway around the world which is yeah, it can be really tough away from their their social um, support bases, uh, away from their traditional, uh, you know, the, the the village, the church, as I, as I mentioned, a big one, uh, and their families. So so it's, yeah, it can be it can be really really tough. Um, you know, um, I experienced it in a probably a lesser sense because um, those of us that have been raised in New Zealand and Australia, it's probably a little bit easier. Um, but even move, myself moving to France um, and, and having to adjust to a new language, a new culture, um, even that was that was difficult for me. And you know, my wife is English and she speaks French, and it was still it was still hard, you know. So um, you know, it did give me that window of insight, but also just um, just the fact that our cultures are so sub, uh, submissive, submissive and subvert. Uh, well, I'm not going to try and use that word because I, I <laughs> but basically. We, we, we're not we're not used to reaching out for help when we need it um, is, 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 is quite a part of it. and that's maybe not just our culture probably lots of cultures are like that um, but um, yeah it can be can be really really tough tough when you don't speak the language as your first language as well so um, yeah we've got a lot of challenges Bruce um, and that's the the guys I know from the Pacific Islanders and over my shoulder I've got a signed shirt from from Bill Mata, who's here in Edinburgh, and you know seems happy. But there's a there's a huge Fijian community yeah. in Edinburgh, largely because of the army, uh, and then quite a lot of the Fijian soldiers hang around and and make life here because this is where they go. My best mate, who's also in the picture back here, Rupeni, he's gone back to Fiji and has taken skills and has taken money and and has, wants to go back and make Fiji. A better place and while I miss him I'm looking forward that hopefully one day I'll get to go and see him and, and see what it's like in his culture because he's been here and been in mine how many of the players leave thinking that's me I'll never be back is that is is it a bit like the streets are paved with gold and I won't be back or do you feel like there's a lot of them do want to come back and contribute or give back yeah, it's, it's it's a really good question, and again, it's um, you know we, we we tend to bandy the Pacific Islands together because of our uh, proximity um, to each other. You know, uh, a flight from Tonga to Samoa or to Fiji is only we're only an hour flight away from each other. Um, but in, when you know, um, but there's a lot there's a lot of similarities, a lot of differences as well. Um, Fiji is a lot of a, a much bigger place than Tonga and Samoa. And um, they seem to be a lot more um, uh, drawn to, 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 to moving home at the end of their careers, the players, in, in my experience. Um, but then on that front, there's, there's a lot more for them to take their families back to. You know, Fiji is a country of a million people now. There's a strong tourism sector. Well, before uh, pre-COVID, there was um, a, lot more, a, lot, a lot more industry. Um, some good some really good schools there um so a lot of the fijians that go back uh, they just all the, the fijians that i meet are a lot more you know that's their focus they want to earn good money and go back whereas with the Samoans and tongans it can be very different um 
most of the uh, Samoans and Tongans that I that I work with, um, their plan is to um, save enough money and invest wisely enough so that they don't ever have to go back to Samoa or Tonga. Uh, okay. Um, because yeah, they're such small places, particularly those that have made a life overseas um, and have raised their children in a Western culture. Um, this. There's, you know, and you know, I'll use an example. You know, Henry Tuilangi, who's a very good friend of mine, he's got uh, he's got seven seven kids. Now they're all they're all um, they've all been basically raised in France for his oh geez, I think he had an eighteen year career or something like that in Leicester and then and then France. So they're they're, they're basically European, um, you know, and they all they're all fluent in French. They've done most of their schooling there. So for all, you know. Um, Domestic problems—they're they're, they're French, you know—and to move back to an island like Samoa, particularly where their family is in Savaii, which isn't even the big island. It's the—it's the, you know—it's um, a lot more laid back, a lot less resources than uh, the main island. Would be would be really really difficult um, for the, for the kids. So he's decided to you know to try and um, and stay in France, um, um, you know, even to probably to his detriment, probably. Against what his hearts, you know, the, the the callings, the pulls. You know, if you've been raised in those islands, you always want to go back. It's the same as same as my father. Um, you know, he always his biggest dream is that we, you know, we all, you know, all of us, all, me and my sisters, we buy we buy a commune back in Samoa and take our wives and husbands, and we all live there. It's never going to happen, but that's yeah. he likes to hold, he likes to hold on to that dream. So it can be difficult when you realise that, that dream's not never probably going to be a reality. Um, but that, those are some of the challenges. It's just it's, there's such a small place. You know, Tonga again is a hundred thousand people. There's not much going on in Tonga. So if you've got um, kids who are university educated, um, it's you know to take them back there, um, you know to, to you know to you know to, to, to limited opportunities is going to be um, very difficult. I think people sometimes forget how small. Tonga and Samoa, because you're massively overrepresented. You you produce a ridiculous number of players in, and there's not really another industry where the Pacific Islanders are so front and center, is there? I mean, rugby is number or league and union, but so yeah. front and center. There, there's very few others that highlight it so much, and that is obviously a great strength, but. It's taken away a lot of the human resource from from the country. Do you, when you left to go to Europe, what what was going through your head? How big a challenge was that for you as an individual? Yeah, you've, you've touched on on a couple of important topics there, Bruce. I think um, you know not only do we have the the you know the rugby um, agents and and scouts and schools coming now to the Pacific Islands. Uh, you know, looking for talent, uh, for you know, offering scholarships, etc. Um, we've got rugby league. We've got uh, in the NFL now. They ran their first uh, professional uh, scouts uh, scouting camp in, in Apia uh, last year. Traditionally, they've only st stuck to American Samoa, and um, you know, Pacific Islanders. Even even from that tiny population of American Samoa is only uh, 20,000 20, people. Um, Pacific Islanders in the NFL are the Per capita, the most uh, uh, represented people group in, in, in the NFL. 
Wow. Uh, that's just that's just based on you know a few a few uh, American Samoans and 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 the Mormon population that have moved from Tonga and, uh, and Samoa to the state of Utah. Um, that's where they, that's where they pick they pick up all these players. Um, so they've come they're 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 on our shores now. So the, so the sharks are circling. So it's it's really important that we um, that we look into the pathways. That we get this right. That we you know if we want to c- continue being rugby playing nations. That um, we see the investment that's needed there. Um, for me, as a young player coming to Europe, um, probably none of that was really on my radar when I when I first arrived. You know, I always I knew I knew I always wanted to play for Samoa. Um, I was never good enough, probably um, you know, admittedly to to be an All Black. Um, so that that rule, you know, so that was the, <laughs> that uh, that ruled that one out for me um, pretty early on. And, and, and playing for Samoa gave me that opportunity to get. Uh, my um, the international test, which was um, required for me to come to Wasps, because um, to get the to get the working visa, you had to you had to have uh, to have played internationally. So I was very lucky to be able to qualify for for Samoa, and then and then come and make a, a livelihood um, out of rugby over in, over in the UK and and France. So yeah, um, yeah, not it wasn't massively on my radar any of this sort of stuff. This you know the the politics and the, you know the. I don't think that's on anyone's radar. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, the, the the I guess you could say the exploitation um, was wasn't re- something that I came into knowledge of until much uh, later on in my in my uh, in my career. Who who's the biggest job, or or what is the biggest job for education of rugby players? Is it the player? Is it the kid? Or is it the parents and the village? Jeez, I'd say I'd say the the the, um, the the agents. For me, for me, okay. the missing the, the missing link um, in the whole situation is the agents because the agents uh, are the first port of call that players will go to. And for, for, for us as Pacific Islanders, you know, and my dad, um, he 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 only went up to I think he did two years of primary school and then he he left school, so he never felt equipped to be able to. Um, you know, help me with anything on the on the contract front. So, and, and a lot of us, a lot of our Pacific Island uh, parents are in, in the same same boat. A lot of them left school to to go and work to provide. You know, and um, and that's the same for the ones that you know, even even the parents that are living in New Zealand and Australia. Um, you know, a lot of them you know hold down two jobs to to make ends meet. You know, low, low skilled labour. That's um, what you know. There's a massive drove of Pacific Islanders that came across to. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, as they were industrializing in the in the um, in the early eighties, late seventies. So that's um, so our parents can't really help us, um, and that's and that's what's difficult, you know. And that's that's what I've I've really come to realize when uh, a lot of the, the players that I've that I play with in uh, in the UK, uh, in Scotland, Wales, England, um, Ireland, you know, it's it's a, it's basically um, the edu- it's 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 a it's a it's a private school. Sport. Yep. So, um, and even though that's that's starting to change, um, a lot of the a lot of the, uh, the the teammates that I had when I was playing at Wasps and uh, and, and London London Irish um, were from 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 backgrounds where they really appreciated uh, education, um, and and their parents were there to be to be helpful in that process. Their parents were the ones that were 
driving that uh, for them, you know. Um, and and that was, yeah, so that was that, that is something that's probably missing for us in Pacific Islands. So that's where um, those of us that are, you know, probably at the end of our careers now and a bit more retired need to go back and, and, and give back and actually help this next generation to come through and learn off the mistakes that we did. But I think, yeah, to, to go back what I was saying, you know, I think the agents a lot of the time are, um, probably don't even realise, don't have that um, recognition themselves. So, so I've, I've sort of I've sort of earmarked that as a as, as a really important part of the work I'm doing now is really to help educate the agents because um, our parents, our players, you know, they just they just trust every and trust everything from you know contracts to the finance, looking after our finances, and so it's really important that you get that um, the right a the right agent, and then B if you know I've, I've I mean there's good agents and bad agents out there. Um, in my experience, no one sets out to be a bad agent. No one sets out to say, "I'm going to take uh, advantage of this of this young kid from the islands." They all come out saying that they, you know, you know. I think everyone's got, you know, and maybe I'm looking with rose to the glass here, but my in my in my opinion, most people are good people. I, I like to yeah. see the good yeah. people, and most people want to do the right thing. But it's just having the resources to and the knowledge and the expertise to be able to help those people, and that's where possibly you know the work that i'm doing now can we can fill that gap yeah i i love that and and dan i i can see that you see the good in people anybody who's watched the movie and i think everybody has now anybody who has got anywhere close to rugby has watched oceans apart and and seen how you conducted yourself in that and i think some of us were probably sitting on the couch saying dan just have a go at him just just tell him what you really do but you were so polite and you were you were hoping that they were doing things with the best of intentions. When when you talk like that, it, it makes me think I've, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about football in this country and, and footballers the sweeping statement that came from working class backgrounds. They, you know, football was their thing. They, and that was their way to then getting the glory and the riches and you know all they wanted but initially all they wanted to do was to score in front of their home crowd that was their dream and after that came the riches and the 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 setup here like you said is there's a lot of private school there's a lot of really well educated rugby still has that that class as as much as people like me we'd love to think it doesn't it it's still there so these players that you're talking about, they're, they're on a conveyor belt, aren't they? These these kids are still being produced in Tonga and Samoa. It's not that this well is going to dry up. So this need that you're talking about is is needed now in this instant, but it's also still going to be needed in the years to come. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, you know, and that's 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 the thing. You know, um, I think every um, every rugby player wants to. To leave a legacy, wants to leave, um, you know, a jersey that they may have worn in a better position than um, when they first put it on, and it's about passing that on. And, and, and for me, that's exactly, you know, you hit it on the on the head, Bruce. It's about um, being able to, to 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 leave the game in a better place for that next generation, so that they don't have to go through. Um, some of the, you know, the abuse that, uh, <laughs> that some, you know, that some of us have, have, have had, to, had to go through at the hands of our own, you know, some of our own, our own unions. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's just it's just the right thing to do. Um, you know, the, um, as you said, um, you know, the Pacific Islands is 
you know, whether whether we're at the World Cups or not, um, we're, we're always going to be producing players for, for this game, and, and you know, and not just any players. You know, some of the world's best players. Yeah. Um, you look. You look at the two, um, probably you know, highest. You know, to, or maybe you know the three or three, maybe even the three, top three or four players in the world. But you know, Semi Randrajja and uh, Charles Pietel are up there. You know, <laughs> you know, the, as some of the best players in the world. And, and and you look at the last since rugby went, you know, uh, professional in 1995. Um, it's it's always been the case. You know, you're talking about the top players in the world. You're talking about Jonah Lomu, uh, Wasali Serevi. Um, you know, um, Uli Mai, yeah, 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 he could go um, on and on and on. Yep, and that's gonna that's gonna continue, Bruce. So it's 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 up to us to make sure that we safeguard, that we make sure that uh, these 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 kids, these this next generation, and make sure that um, you know, I think for, for me, it's making sure that the economics of of of, of their situations are being looked after, so that the people that are um, that you know that are, are, are due um, you know the rewards of of develop helping develop those players is that are actually seeing that. You you said something in the middle of that answer that that I've written down here, and this comes back to the movie, and and I've I've watched it I think three times, and I'll probably watch it again. You said it's the right thing to do. When does Dan get frustrated? Because to me, you're you're a calm, kind. You know, you try and see the good in people and you just want the right thing to happen and the right thing isn't happening and that's evident to anybody with a set of eyes. What, when, when do you get frustrated or are you able to detach yourself and say, no, I've got a professional job to do here to support people and to put things in place for what moves on? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think um, no, one, no, one, no one's ever convinced through anger. You know, we're very, very, very little of the time. So it's important that we that we keep our cool and just, you know, we just do this in the right way. And that's the Pacific Island way. You know, we, um, you know, we 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 go through tough times, and um, but we do all the we do we do all the, the smile on our face, even if we, you know, when I remember playing playing my first test for Samoa, and uh, uh, it was against the Wallabies in two thousand and five. We lost that game seventy points to seven. We came off the field. They were laughing. They were singing. They were having a great time. You would have you would have thought we had won by seventy points to five. <laughs> that's uh, that's the island. That's the island way, mate. You know. Um, you know. We. You know. It's, at the end of the day, it is just the game. Um, I sometimes have to step back and, and, and remind myself of that. And uh, you know, there's a lot of um, people struggling uh, in the world, a lot more than what we're struggling with. You know, with our, our rugby struggles with Pacific Island rugby. So um, it's about perspective. But in saying that, we don't just sweep it under the carpet. You know, we 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 want to we yeah. want to um, we wanna see uh, you know we want to see prog- you know, and, 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 and I ultimately believe that it's for the good of the game. You know, I think that. If you look after the the small guy yep. well, then every, everyone benefits. You know, it will benefit the the tier one nations hands down. It will, it will, and you know, you just it's about growing that pie and whatever piece of the pie you've got becomes worth a lot more if you if you if you grow that that bigger picture. You know, um, so so financially it makes sense as well to to to, to do the right thing. I just can't see the. Um, you know what the resist. I, I mean, I know there is resistance, but I don't see the logic behind um, the resistance uh, some of the time. Um, but when when you know that resistance out there, sometimes it's just people stuck in their ways. And again, we've got to have grace for those kind of people. Um, you know, we everyone's on the journey. I make mistakes. Um, I made a massive, 
mistake last week. I tweeted something about CJ Stender, um, yeah, career, uh, and I was like, you know, and I got it wrong. And but we've got to be willing to apologize, um, say when we we got it wrong, um, and move forward. You know, um, no one gets it right all of the time. Um, so we've just got to make sure that you know. But um, you know, we're all pulling in the same direction. And that's the great thing about the rugby community. You know, it's about the values. I do believe that the values of rugby are still there to some extent, um, but it's up to us, you and me, the people that are listening here, to make sure we're protecting those values, to make sure it doesn't just become a sport about the bottom line, um, you know, how much money is being made because of it. You know, if it does, then we've, we've not, you know, it's not those people in the suits that have failed, it's us. As the supporters and the uh, and the lovers and the players of the game who who have failed because ultimately the people in the suits um, you know uh, and the unions and world rugby they reflect us you know they reflect the people that they that they represent which is the smaller clubs you know the the people that turn out on the sidelines from on every you know every Saturday and Sunday supporting their kids um, we are rugby uh, it's not them yeah. <laughs> Dan. I'm in, I'm in absolute awe and in love, I think. I, if you had a mic, I would let you drop it and just walk off now, and that would be the finish. There's so much in there. I'm not going to convince people with anger. We need to show grace. Right, can we start this now? Dan Leo for World Rugby President. Will we just, will we just, this is your launch. Will we just go for it? Uh, mate. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know if I'm cut out. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just like everyone else sitting out there watching. You know, no, you're not. No, you're not. Wants to see it. Wants to see it in a, you know, in a strong place and uh, and becoming that world game that we we know it can be. Um, you know, and uh, and particularly the values. You know, um, is key key to that, mate. And you know. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it, Bruce. You know, everyone that's watching, um, all the support that they've given for the for the documentary. You know, because uh, we didn't know how it would be received, um, uh, and it was the first time for me. I didn't have any filmmaking background or anything like that. I was really conscious, self conscious about uh, presenting it um, and that sort of stuff. But um, if you if you're passionate about enough about something, um, you yeah. just you just got to get on with and do it and and do it. You know and uh, for me, that was something that was very close to my heart. Um, as I know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For you and, and, and the audience here. So uh, and I really appreciate everyone's support for that, uh, for Ocean's Apart and uh, what we're trying to achieve there. Oh, it, it was awesome. And I was getting messages from people because they know I'm a rugby fanatic. I was getting messages from people who weren't necessarily rugby fanatics 
talking about this guy Dan Leo and and this isn't fair and and it it's gone further than just I think sports people have watched it. Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe the timing was good because people were looking for stuff to watch and and this came up. So I think you and it, it was awesome. It was so good and that that point I'm going to pick up on that one because that's a word I I love is passion. Now mm. you don't have to do this stuff you're doing this because you're passionate about it and you want to make the world a better place. Have you, have you found it easy to get people to jump on your bandwagon? Uh, geez, I, I think, I think I wouldn't say easy. I think, um, you know, um, taking and, and maintaining the moral high ground, uh, is, is, is really important. And just, you know, when, when something's so obviously, um, right or wrong, it's it is it's easy, and you've just got to make sure that you're aligned with that. Um, again, you know, it comes down to um, saying things and, and challenging things when things do need to be challenged. Um, doing that in the right way, um, with humility, respect. Um, I think um, definitely when it came to you know um, confronting you know people like our prime minister in Samoa. I know as you, as you said, Bruce, you know people, you know, and you know you, you see it all the time with. Um, with presenters, you know, probably more experienced presenters would have pushed a little bit harder uh, on people like Brett Gosper and stuff and really, really um, held them to task. Um, for me, it was just about um, just asking the questions and allowing them to, to, give, to give their point of view without me trying to put them into a box and say something that they didn't necessarily want to say. Um, so, yeah, um, for me, that, that's 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 the biggest the biggest thing you know those 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 aspects um and 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 hopefully allowing you know the, the good in people to, to to shine through which again as, as i said you know um i think it's in all of us um you know and yeah let's 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 really push forward let's focus on the on the on the positives because there's a lot of positives to take to take out of where the game is at at the moment as well and i know it's going through a lot of tough um you know with covid with the concussion uh, yep. With you know the women's World Cup uh, being cancelled, there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of things that can probably get you down around the sport. Um, you know, um, but there's a lot to, to be positive about as well. And, and for me, it's those. It's, it comes back to those values and those. Um, the thing I've, I've always loved is um, you know that just just getting out there at whatever level it is. You know, and that was why I played on for as long as I did. Um, went right down the levels, right down to London three. Southwest, I think we were playing at uh, London Cornish at one stage, uh, but it's just about you know getting in the clubhouse, um, not even about the results, just about getting there, um, you know, and and, and 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 sharing those experiences with with your teammates and having that camaraderie. It's so so important, and um, you know, at the at the essence of everything, if you take away all the money, take away all the you know all the fans, well, we've we've seen <laughs> all the fans have been taken away this year anyway, but you take away all the glitz and glamour of, of professional rugby. Rugby will always survive because there's good people that play it, um, and that's and that's um, you know that that gives me hope. That's what you know. I know I know because I've, because I've been there. You know, the ninety nine percent of, of of people that I meet in the rugby world want to see the Pacific Island side. They want to see us achieve yeah. um, achieve greatness and and, and, and achieve our, our our potential, I suppose. So I know that that's uh, how people feel. So in that respect, it was really easy. It was just about giving them, raising awareness and, and giving them something to get behind, which uh, I've done in droves. So again, I'm really, really thankful. I, I just love it, Dan. I absolutely love it. And talking about going down the leagues 
I mean, you've just said we got we got hammered by the Wallabies, but we were smiling and we'd been able to play and we were together. I don't know if you use things like Band of Brothers or Family or all of that stuff, but that's what it was. The same with London Cornish. Now, I'm trying to picture what it must have been like playing against London Cornish and Dan Leo gets out his car and takes his kit bag out his boot and I'm standing as a as a fly half thinking, oh no. Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't it wasn't as it wasn't as uh, as bad as you think, yeah. I'm actually if anything, I was the one that was coming because the problem is when you when you step down to, to the amateur leagues as an ex professional, you've just got a target on your on your chest and uh, everybody that wants to make a name for themselves. You know, every time I got the ball I had four four or five four or five guys on me. So I learned how to uh, distribute, I learned how to to pass over the top and throw the skip pass and everything because I had to because I was just yeah, I was getting hammered and you can't win, you know, you can't win playing them, you know. It's like you know, if you if you play well, everyone goes well. Okay, yeah, but he's a he's an ex-professional. Of course, he's going to play well. If you play badly, everyone's like, well, hold on, he's a, he's an ex-professional. Why is he playing badly? Like, so yeah. you could just uh, imagine so many people <laughs> dining out on that one. You'll never guess who we beat today, and you know who they had playing for them. Yeah, Dan Leo. Yeah, yeah. but we, uh, I could imagine, I could just imagine those stories getting bigger as the night went on. <laughs> so you you came across and you mentioned about playing for Wasps and playing in France. What, when you, when you came across, who did you look at and think, I'm sharing a changing room with this guy? Or what planet is that guy on? Or I'm playing against this guy and I've only ever... What, was, were there any moments where you went back to being just little Dan, a bit starstruck in, in that environment? That's funny, eh? Hey? When, when I came across the Wasps, um, I don't really know anyone. I knew, I knew the guys that had been... So I think that's... One of the, the, the well back then it was one of the best uh, the things that that Super Rugby did well. They just really you just you just got basically bombarded with propaganda saying that there was no other competition in the world apart from Super Rugby. So I just, I knew all the Super Rugby teams and stuff, but I, I knew very few very little about the English Premiership or the Six Nations um, or the top fourteen in France. I knew three names on the Wasp side, and they were, that was only because they'd been in the. Uh, 2003 um, England oh, yeah. team, and it was Delalio, uh, Delalio, Matt Dawson, and Josh Lucy. Those are the only names I recognised when I when I turned up to uh, to Wasps and Simon Shaw. Sorry, four. Um, and um, so I was a bit starstruck by those guys. But then I, I got there, and I, you know, there were some players there that were absolutely fantastic. And I had to look them up. I had to go home and Google them and go, "This guy, this guy played out of his skin today. Like, who's he?" Oh. Google, Google, oh, Raphael Ibanez has only been the third captain for the last, you know, seven or eight, seven or eight years, <laughs> been, at, been at four World Cups. Um, you know, uh, Paul Sackey, um, guys like, you know, um, Alex King, um, you know, um, you know, young young guys like Danny Cipriani and, and, and James Haskell. It was just a, an amazing time to come through with um, guys that went on, you know, if they weren't already sort of, you know, rugby superstars that they went on to be and um, looking back now you know and being in that uh, sort of setup and just walking into it basically with um, no reputation myself and you know and winning the Heineken Cup you know I took it for granted because I, I, I turned up in 2005 straight away within three weeks of being there we'd won the Powgen Cup um, the next year we won the Premiership and then the next year after that we won the we won the Heineken Cup I just thought oh just these these kind of competitions they're, they're easy to win you know like and then it wasn't until, you know, and then I went for 10 years on and I didn't win anything. And I thought, flip, actually, you know, 
um, what, a, what a time to be a Wasps, um, you know. And, um, yeah, so it was yeah, an amazing time. Got some really fond memories. Um, yeah, and um, good to see them coming back as well, Wasps. You know, they yeah. went through some dark places. Um, but, yeah, no, I do follow them. Um, if anything, I probably, um, because they were the first club, you know, I went on to play at um, – at Bordeaux for a couple of seasons, Perpignan and uh, and London Irish at the end of the at the end of my career, um, but yeah, Wasps really hold a special place in my memory in terms of uh, just because of what we were able to achieve um, um, in, in the, over that period of time. So yeah, great memories. It, it's a it's an amazing thing when young guys win early. It, and it, it, is it wasted on them because they're too young or do they get used to it? When do you appreciate it? But as we all know, the youth is wasted on the young, isn't it? I mean, it's... <laughs> Massively, yeah. Hugely, I think. And, and you know, probably, you know, I, I, I still still keep in touch with Danny Cipriani now, but, um, you know, we look back and he's, he's similar, you know, like to go, you know, to have that, that high the very early on in your career, um, you know, and then, you know, um, it's coming at the you know being at the end of your career, you look back and you think, "Geez, I probably did take take a little bit for granted." Um, but um, yeah, no, I've got I've got no regrets on that front. You know, I was really lucky to be there. Um, you know, I wasn't um, as I said. You know, I was, I was probably you know. Um, I think for me, it was I was I was used as a bit of a stopgap to fill in between the you know a bit of the old guard and the new guard coming through. You know, we had some some guys like uh, Delalio and Joe Worsley. Um, that were there when I was when I first arrived, and you know there was some a younger generation, uh, James Haskell and uh, Tom Reese, uh, guys like that, and, and and they needed someone to sort of just shepherd those guys through, and they picked, I was lucky enough that they picked me. I don't know why they did. It was probably just because I was available. Um, and uh, as I said, I, I played in that game for for Samoa. I wasn't eligible to play in Australia anymore, and. Um, so yeah, so much about rugby at the top top level is is about luck and being in the right place at the right time, um, and just just not being injured. I think that was probably my biggest strength uh, through my career. Is I, I just you know I wasn't ever the best player, but I just never got injured. I had no operation. <laughs> yeah, I've had two operations in the last uh, in the last six months. One I had a. I um, had a tooth implant and then I had a vasectomy. No more kids with me. And that was, and I, I said to my wife, I've just had two operations. I didn't have any operations in the last 15 years. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah. So, much, so much of it's luck, you know. And, and, uh, you've, got, you've got to be very, very lucky to make it as a top, as a top athlete these days. Because I've seen so many players with a lot more talent with me than me uh, through, through uh, you know, um, coming through. But um, either, you know, they've been just haven't been resilient in terms of, you know, physically they've just been unlucky with injuries or mentally, you know, so you got to, or you just don't get spotted. Um, that's, you know, that's, I was, I was lucky to have um, a couple of good games right at the start of my career when, right when the Queensland Reds selectors, um, you know, uh, they were, they were the, the two ga- the two good games that I had that season, they were, they were the selectors were there. I was rubbish for the rest of the season. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. I went, on, I went on to become an international rugby player based on you know having two good two good games at the right time. So um, you know, I, I can't I can't claim to be the hardest worker. You know, I was never the strongest in the gym, never the best player. But you know, I was I, I consider myself very 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 blessed to be in the you know to be talking with you now and you know having these conversations. So Dan, what what was the difference in culture between Super Rugby? and then jump into the Premiership? Because we look from here, often you mentioned rose-tinted specs before. There's a feeling that Super Rugby 
from this angle, from the from the northern hemisphere, is it's basketball. It's not real rugby. And then there are other people who look at it and go, "That's what rugby should be like." So, what was what was it like jumping from that to Premiership rugby? That was probably quite a different task. Yeah, I, I didn't play so much Super Rugby. Uh, if I'll be honest, I played. Uh, had one season contracted with the Reds, um, but you know, definitely. Um, the thing that really sort of took, took me off guard was just the focus around the set piece. Um, I felt like, you know, I'd been a, I'd been a, a line-out forward uh, in Australia for a few years and then I came to England, I felt like I didn't know anything about line-outs. <laughs> I just, um, or, or mauling, definitely mauling, and, you know, and just, just around, the, you know, the scrums, the emphasis that went, went into those, uh, the finer details of, of, of the game, you know. Um, we spent every... Uh, spare moment of time and when I was at the Reds on, on fitness it was all heart monitored uh, tracking and that, that, that became more prevalent in the premiership the longer I was in it but when I first arrived it was literally just um, you know just just big guys running at each other and it was so it was so much more physical than uh, anything that I'd been uh, that I was used to um, but that has changed I think um, you know and um, I was probably I was probably quite lucky in a way that when I when I came, uh, I, you know, I think the profile that I had when I arrived was good for the Premiership then. Um, but now I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd struggle to play any games, not just because of the, you know, the changes to the um, to the laws, um, but also uh, second row forwards, back row forwards are expected to do so much more now. You know, and you look at the you look at the physiques of these guys, guys like Maro Atoja. You know, they you know they could be they equally comfortable as bodybuilders, you know, or box or boxers. I look at Maro Atoja, and I think you know he's not far off. You know, heavyweight champion of the world material. You know, in terms of um, his physique, um, and Anthony Joshua would be proud. You know, so. Um, you know, I, I was never um, I was never that mould, um, and, and probably. You know, um, for me, I was probably one of the last guys who played amateur rugby um, and played, and then played professional as well. A lot of the guys that come through now have just been professionals all their lives. Come through academies. Um, I went, you know, I was I, I went into 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 professional rugby quite late. Um, my first professional contract was at the age of twenty one, um, so I'd played that amateur game and had that, all of those experiences, which you sort of um, <laughs> through these guys now because they've, 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 they've missed out on a lot, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, with that, um, I think I had an appreciation for 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 those, you know, for the off field, you know. Um, you know, and, and just finding your opposition and having a beer with them and all those kind of things were really important to me, um, which probably nowadays, I, I know, you know, um, there's, they repl they've replaced that in a lot of instances, you know, um, with, um, you know, you've got media um, commitments straight after games, uh, drinking's frowned upon, um, you know, pubs are closed anyway, so if, even if you wanted to go out for a beer, then you, you couldn't, so... Um, the game's changed. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's for the better in a lot of instances, but you know, again, you know, that's why um, that's why I loved going back down and playing uh, amateur at the end of my career. I started off playing amateur rugby, and I, I wanted to finish off. And um, yeah, those 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 are probably the you know the, the best memories for me. You know, this, those those uh, uh, 
as I said earlier, you know, those, those social moments as opposed to, you know, we had some great moments on, on the field, obviously, but uh, yeah, off the field, mate, you couldn't, couldn't replicate them. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, that's the thing people miss. Is that what you miss about the game? Is the, you know, wh- whenever you hear a retired player and they're asked, what is it you miss? They never say scoring a try or making the pass or jackaling or any of that. They say, I miss the changing room. Yeah, that's, no, that's the place I miss. Exactly, and it's so it's so true. It's so true, and um, um, you know, f- for me, um, you know, it's, it's it was all about that. Um, you know, just and and, and 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 to see guys now so so focused now, and you know, it can become become too much about the results. Um, with my kids now, you know, and they're just starting to pick up rugby balls and all that sort of stuff. I want them to enjoy it first and foremost. You know, and rugby is so great for for that because you know you can you can you can be the best player on the field and i've seen it time and time again you can be the, the ultimate star on the field but off the field unless you're a good bloke you know you're not going to get any respect from anyone you know and and, and that's and that's how teams are judged you know it's and i've um you know i just finished reading james haskell haskell's book and he said a lot a lot better than i did but you know that's the great thing about rugby is you know it doesn't matter you know um if you're the star or not, you know, but you've got, everyone's got a value to play. Everyone's got a role to play in a team. Um, and um, you can be the well, worst player. You still the, be the, 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 the chapter I'm on, <laughs> the chapter I'm on of the James Haskell is he's the yeah. one that drinks the beer. He's the one that dresses up. He's the one that that's the chapter yeah. I'm on. So yeah, I know what James Haskell's getting at. So those, those changing I'm, I'm just glad I got off pretty easy on that. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't remember yeah, your name coming up. Yeah, at one stage I was thinking, oh, geez, he's not going to tell tell that story. He's in. Thank, thank God he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so those changing rooms that you're in, that's the bit. I don't want a fly on the wall. I don't want to see into the changing room, but I would love to be in the changing room because it's it should be for the players and the coaches and the physios. and the ma- it, it should be for them. I don't really like getting the glimpse into the changing room. But I always wish I was there because it is the bit I loved. What's a Samoa changing room like? Oh, jeez, pretty different. Samoa changing room, pretty different. Yeah, yeah. Um, for one, I remember, I remember my first tour with uh, with Samoa, and um, Brian Lima was uh, sort of the, the patron, the oldest, most senior player. Uh, on the side, and he 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 had a real bugbear about people wearing um, earphones, headphones, and that was sort of the big thing. You know, my my generation was you know we were like you know we'd seen Jonah Lomu doing it. Everyone was like, oh, if Jonah Lomu walks in with the big headphones on, I want to be like that guy. And um, so you know, particularly us from you know that had been raised in New Zealand, we got to Samoa, and like he was like, hold on here. What's this? You know, if you're wearing headphones, it means you don't want to. You don't want. And, and particularly, he had, had those worst ones on the bus. If you wore your, your earphones on the bus, he had a real problem with that. And I just remember him. Uh, thank, thank God it wasn't me. But I remember him. Um, and just, and just telling the bus driver, he, he sent a message up to the bus, and the bus, the bus has just stopped. And we're like, oh, what's going here? We're not at the ho- we're not back at our hotel yet. We're not at the training ground. Like, what's happening? Um, and then he he basically just he had seen someone wearing headphones on the bus, and he called them called them to the back of the bus, and he goes, oh, um, what's your problem? Do you not want to talk to Do you not want to talk to that to the player that's sitting next to you? Don't you? You think you're too good for him? The guy was like, oh no, this is how I prepare. You know, um, 
and Brian Maiden goes, okay, well, if, if, the, if the song's so good, if the song's so good and you think it's, and, you, and, and you're enjoying it so much, can you, can you share it with all of us? So, so basically made him walk up and down the aisle on the bus singing, singing the song up aloud. But normally that would be, that, you know, under normal circumstances in a normal team, everyone would be cracking up and laughing and taking, taking the mickey out of this guy. It was, everyone was deadpan. Everyone was scared. I'm not going to say it, but scared. <laughs> um, so no one was laughing. It was like the most weird, bizarre um, atmosphere ever. So this guy was walking up and down the aisle singing this, I think it was like a Tupac rap song, so he was rapping along to it. No one was laughing. No, Everyone was just looking down at their feet, just like it was just really, really awkward. Um, but no one ever wore headphones in the, uh, in the on the bus again, and we just you know, and, and actually we, we started singing songs, Taiwan songs, and, and for me it was really great. Um, I, I started to love it because you know I learned some song, I learned some of the language. We were only allowed to speak Samoan on the bus, um, and I, I didn't really know how to speak Samoan, so I had to learn pretty quickly. Um, I was crapping myself the whole the whole time, not wanting to get on the wrong side of Brian, not really knowing what was allowed, what wasn't. Um, but yeah, so it was pretty different, pretty different, Bruce. Um, I don't know if it's like that anymore. When I, when I became a senior, it was borderline. Some of, some of the treatment from the senior players to, towards the, uh, the younger players was probably borderline bullying. Um, back then, this is the early 2000s. And by the time I became a senior player myself and guys like Census Johnston and, uh, Khan Fotoli, Joe Takori, we, we didn't want, to have that culture, we 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 wanted it to be a bit more abrasive. We 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 realised by that stage that the best teams, the best performing teams, got the best out of the young players and actually valued those young players as opposed to just you know treating treating them like shit, which is seemed to be that sort of back of the bus mentality from you know probably in all of rugby back in the eighties, whereas we were still doing it as Samoa in the in the early two thousands. We hadn't moved on with the times. So it was important for us as senior players when we got our chance to to really t to let that go and just sort of you know move things on a bit. So um, yeah, um, yeah, Samoa was pretty different, mate. Um, but uh, yeah, and did again. did the boys did the boys like to sing together? We we did well. That was what we were doing the whole time. So there was no Walkmans, no Discmans back in those days on the bus. So all we could do was sing, and um, that was our that was we didn't have money to go to the movies or do any social events. So. Um, you know, we just we just sing sing, and that was what we did good. Um, just all church songs um, that, that most of us, you know, that most of the boys knew. And if you didn't know, you sat next to a local. We they'd, they'd put you in a, um, a roommate situation with um, one of the New Zealand raised guys, with one of the locally raised guys, and basically. Um, your job was just to, to to learn as much as you could off off those local players because. And, and they were learning, you know, they, whereas we were trying to bring them up to speed, some of those local players on a rugby sense in terms yeah. of our experience that we had in trying to, you know, they didn't have any professional um, background. So we were trying to help them out. They were helping us out with the culture and actually helping us to root ourselves back in the Samoan culture, which a lot of us had, had lost um, being raised in New Zealand and Australia. So um, it was um, sort of a bit, a bit of give and take. Um, but yeah, um, brilliant, brilliant times. You know, um, we went to went to Samoa and we did a we did a we did a one week camp on a on a desert island, and it was just like it was like it was it was it was it was, it was, it was called the Back to Your Roots camp. And basically, they just they just released. I think they released about ten pigs onto the island, and they gave us they gave us 
um, they were in groups of we were in groups of four, and they gave us um, about six or seven machetes, one one per group. And they were like, "There you go, go. You got to survive for a week. Go and find water. There's ten. We know there's enough food on this island because we've just released ten pigs. Now you guys are on your own. And I'll tell you what, that was that was a real eye opener for me. You know, like having to hunt out. I've never I've never seen anything die in my life, um, and then come, you know having to to slit a, a pig's throat, you know. Um, you probably wouldn't be allowed to do it in, in the UK, you know, because of no. health and safety and RSPCA and stuff like that. But in the, in the islands, anything goes, you know. And uh, um, it was it was, it was was almost like a like a bad version of Lord of the Flies at times, but it brought us together. Um, and it did the job, you know. Um, I think that year we, we beat the Wallabies, you know. And my first test was losing to the Wallabies by 70 points to five. And... Four or five years later, we turned around in 2011, just before the World Cup, and, and we beat them. So that was a that was that was awesome to see that happen. Um, um, yeah, um, with very little resources as well. Um, yes, yeah. every, everybody, everybody loves Fiji, Tonga, Samoa. They're 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 everybody's second team. When you watch the World Cup and it's not your team playing, you're you're willing the Pacific Islands to do well. What was it like when they came together as the Pacific Islanders for that tour that you were on? That was really weird. It was it was really weird. Um, we um, it was it was sort of just because we we all came together. It was it was very difficult because, as I said earlier, uh, Bruce, you know, we are very close in proximity, but our cultures are quite quite different as well, and and our and our history. There's a lot of uh, inter inter tribal inter island warfare between between our nations. You know, um, Samoa has been occupied both by Fiji and Tonga at various points in our history. So uh, to try and come in and 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 put lay aside all of those uh, issues, uh, knowing that you've got a test batch to you have to perform in in three days, uh, three days time is really 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 difficult. You know, um, I think. If I'll be honest, um, I don't think we, a lot of us probably gave it the respect um, looking back that, that it deserved. I think we could have been a lot better. Um, I think a lot of us sort of saw it as a, a bit of a, a break from our contracts, with our, our club contracts, because, you know, we weren't playing for Samoa, we weren't playing for Fiji. It was, a, it was uh, yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying. Um, but some great, you know, for me, as again, I was quite young. It was 2006 when I first went on there. I'd only been in, uh, you know, and, and to, you know, I was playing with guys like Rapini Thalthal Nibutha, um, Simon Rowalui, um, you know, Alessandra Tui, like some of the, you know, big, big names, um, you know, guys that I really looked up to. That was probably the, the, the highlight for me. Um, but yeah, again, it was probably, Bruce probably falls into that bracket that we were speaking about earlier, you know, one of those ones you look back and you think, flip, you know, I don't know what I had. Until it's gone, yeah. and if we, I think if we, a lot of us had had the opportunity again, we probably would have taken it a lot more seriously, um, especially knowing what we know now, um, and that the team doesn't is not in existence, and a lot of people are fighting to see a resurgence, to see it come back. Um, let's just hope that when it comes back, it's given. You know, and that, that was probably, and I think that that mentality that we had as players was probably dictated from higher up. You know, it wasn't very well funded. Um, the preparation time wasn't great, um, um, and definitely my club saw that saw, saw it as that. Uh, my club really didn't. The second tour in two thousand and nine that I was selected for for the Pacific Islanders, um, Wasps actually asked me not to go because I said, "Look, we know what the last tour was like. If it was if it was you going to play for Samoa, we wouldn't we 
would let you go. We, we definitely wouldn't put any blocks, but it's the Pacific Islanders. It's a bit of a Mickey Mouse um, tournament, uh, test series. Would you mind staying? They'd lost, um, you know, Tom Palmer and Simon Shaw um, to England at the time as well. So they wanted a bit more second row stocks around. So I could sort of understand where they were coming from. Um, but that's why it's key that, that when we do do those tours, if we get another opportunity to do that, they're financed well, they're properly prepared so that the players come and see that and they think, actually, this is something that we can actually turn up and beat England. It's not just us turning up as cannon fodder, which is sort of, we got the feel that we were sort of being set up back in, in that one, definitely in 2006 and 2009. So, yeah. Those are things that players like to aspire to, though, aren't they? they? Obviously, you want to play for your national team and represent your country, but those other opportunities, whether it's the Barbarians or Pacific Islanders or North v South or whatever it is, it's a, it's a big lift to your spirit to be asked to be involved in those things. Do you think there is a chance that that could come back? Um, I, I like to think so. Um I'd, I'd, I'd really, I'd really like to see it happen. And even if it wasn't to play tests, I think there's it would be a great opportunity um, to, you know, to possibly um, to put to, uh, together a Pacific Island 15 made up of Premiership players or European-based players to play invitational sites. Maybe, um, you know, and I've, I've been reached out to uh, to by various clubs over the last six months who have said that they'd, they'd happily um, host us and, and, and allow us to use their stadiums for um you know for 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 nothing um so i think um you know there's a lot of goodwill uh, out there and a lot of people would love to see that you know um a pacific oh, yeah. island fight against a gloucester or against an edinburgh you know or you know make it a a, a a three match tour you know alongside you know some of the tests that have been played maybe in june um down in the in the pacific nations cup um so i think there's a lot of potential i think we need to look at it slightly differently than what probably what the format was last time and also we've got a little bit of work to do in terms of who would actually uh run that because um what was one of the one of the uh the downfalls of the of the last pacific islands was that the island unions themselves just didn't get on and i remember at the time in 2006 i think samoa was we were providing 14 out of the 32 players selected so they said well if we're, if we're providing half of the players we should be getting half of the finances that this team's generated and you know it all became about it just went all a bit sour and a bit, a bit pear-shaped so um there needs to be proper thought around that before they they can bring it back but um yeah i mean i'd love to i'd love to see it back and i'm willing to, to help drive it if that's something that people would like to see as well those are the things mere mortals like like me and people listening have no idea about that we just want to see that team play but the logistics and the money and the funding and this it's just all stuff that somebody else is taking care of we just want to see the product but but i think we're beginning to learn more and more certainly through the work you're doing so now and i've, I've kept you for so long but there's I have to ask, there's the chance of, of two teams being based in the Pacific Islands. Um, I always worry when I hear the word franchise because it makes me wonder who's in charge and who's running it. So what's, what's your view on that? Is that a positive step forward? Um, I think it certainly can be. Um, like you, I've got lots of questions question marks uh, particularly around the uh the second team so one of them one of the proposed sides is in fiji 
I think that'll work wonderfully. I think they've got the infrastructure there, they've got facilities, they've got the population to make it really work, and they've got a track record. You know, Super Rugby games have been hosted in Fiji and done really well, both um, in terms of crowd numbers and economically in terms of what that's generated into the uh, you know financially for the community there. Um, the Moana Pacifica bid, which is uh, the the combined side, of what I believe from from what I understand, it'll be a side made up of Tongans and Samoans, but based in New Zealand. I've got a few question marks around that one. Um, I want to know who, who how it's set to benefit if it's going to be based in, in Auckland. I, um, I think we need some assurances around how that's going to benefit the uh, you know the the islands. Uh, how many games are going to be played there? What the organisational structure is going to be? Um, you know where the finances are going to be are going to go. Where um, you know whether they're going to get a fair share of the of the money generated in terms of um, match um, broadcast revenue. All of those questions need to be answered. Uh, for me, any side that's going to be a Pacific Island side needs to be based in the Pacific. Um, it can't we we can't allow it to become you know a, a fifth or a sixth um, New Zealand rugby franchise. Uh, that would be, you know, in my terms, detrimental to, to the cause that we'd be fighting for. For me, it's got to be something that's positioned in the Pacific Island and, and actually with assistance from World Rugby and possibly New Zealand Rugby uh, run by Pacific Islands as well. So we need our administrators in there, in those top positions, learning the trade alongside somebody maybe for three or four years until they get to the position where they have the skill set to be able to run that independently. Um but until those insurances come through, I'm not getting too excited. But uh, yeah, definitely the, the the Fiji bit. I think they're ready to to fire, and um, um, yeah, let's let's hope it goes. I think it's really positive um, and good to see that um, World Rugby have um, you know probably, albeit uh, being uh, dragged kicking and screaming to the uh, <laughs> to the table. Uh, have finally seen it within their uh, hearts to uh, to invest into those sides as well. Uh, it's only taken 20, 20 or 25 years of professional rugby guys to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, I think it's for anybody that loves the game, we, we want this to work. We don't want it to be a two-year project and then it leaves a bigger hole than than was there before and you know again i come back to i don't know politics i don't understand politics i just wanted to be right for those people how how important is somebody like ben ryan for the cause of pacific island rugby yeah um you know he's been a great advocate um you know and continues to be a great you know he's a, he's, a, he's a great thinker on the game and someone that's just got so much experience um in terms of our mentalities that we have as well definitely in fiji you know um he's got a lot of respect there a lot of mana uh we we we, we say and we, we we need um you know and he's he's outspoken on issues you know he'll, he'll, he'll say he'll call a spade a spade and that's probably what um what we've been lacking is you know um people that are knowledgeable a and be willing to to, to 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 call things out when they need to be called out. So um, yeah, like um, you know, like Ben um, and, and, and many of us others, you know, um, hopefully, you know, with more voices like that um, being vocal, it'll inspire others um, to, to you know to, to raise you know to speak out as well and really um, add to the momentum that's starting to build now in terms of really seeing um, the Pacific Islands uh, get a fair 
crack of um, crack of the whip, I suppose, and you know, just um, you know that that that, uh, that 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 level playing field that we've we've needed uh, and wanted for so long. Yeah, Dan, I, I've absolutely loved it. I've I've kept you longer than than I told you I was going to keep you. Uh, I could go on, but. It's probably your bedtime now in Brisbane. Um, I, I asked people this question to to finish this sentence, and I'm really intrigued what Dan Leo is going to going to hit me with here, because you've spoken a lot about happiness and positivity and seeing good in people. So, at the end of the pod, I asked people to finish the sentence. Happiness is. So, Dan Leo, for you, happiness is. For me. Uh... Happiness is fulfilling your potential, and um, and doing that with uh, on an even playing field. And I think that's I think that I think they're into I think they're intertwined. I think um, you know if we can if we can uh, if we can do that if we can if we can you know everyone can everyone can attribute to that. So if we, we're attributing to a, to a, uh, an even playing field, we will see people um, fulfill their potential. And for, fulfilling potential is anything, mate. You know. Um, it's um it's on and off the rugby field, you know, probably more important off the field than on the field. But rugby teaches us some of those great lessons um, in, in, in both. So, yeah, good question. Dan, <laughs> Dan, I absolutely love it. I, I can say thank you, but I, I mean it much, much deeper than that. I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Thank you for taking the time out. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to absolutely stick you in here and say you need to come back for part two because... I've absolutely loved it. I think you're you're a real role model uh, who speaks with that calm, cool sense that we need to get on the back of and support. And and I hope anybody that's listening has felt that warmth and and humble attitude that you've got, but can see a gritty determination to make the world a better place. And and hopefully we're all going to jump on that and and support you. So thank you very, very much. Uh, All the best to you. And I hope the next six months gives you everything that you need it to give and the world opens up and, and you and the family stay safe and healthy. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. And I really appreciate it, guys. Um, you know, it's um, great to see this pod uh, up and running and we wish you all the best for the future. Look forward to uh, listening to uh, uh, up and coming guests as well. So really appreciate everyone that's uh, listened in. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Magic. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I am a very happy boy. To me, happiness at the moment is Dan Leo. What an absolute superstar. Uh, very humble. Uh, puts himself down as we're beginning to learn lots of the best people seem to do. Uh, talks about being grounded. Wanted to build relationships, share experiences and make memories. Where have we heard that before? Beginning to sound like a broken record. I am almost speechless because he has taken words right out of my mouth. I absolutely loved it. If you enjoyed it, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. Please subscribe. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave a review. If you didn't enjoy it, then remember that if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Hopefully you did. And you'll be back soon for more of Happiness is Egg Shaped with me, your host, Bruce Edgerson. All the best. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And, and our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. No, I was talking about this last night and he said happiness is egg-shaped.
Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.